I want to encourage us this morning. I am just God remind me of, of a picture I had this week. I was with some friends at the house, and uh, it was early evening, so the sun was just going down, and I was looking at the beautiful mountains, the, the great setting, water, and I suspect the water of fish. And the sun went down, it was black, it was dark, it was darkness, and uh, so I said, oh, that's interesting. It was all gone. But then God spoke to me and said, but I'm still working. God said to me, my creation is still happening. And it's dark. You can't see anything. But I'm still working. I never stop working. I'm always working. And, uh, and when the sun comes up, you'll see what God has been doing. You will see what God has been working. There's a story of, take you to a story of, of Moses and the children of Israel when they were in Egypt. And remember that story? They're the children of Israel. They were suffering. They were under persecution. So on the one hand, you're up here, the children under persecution. Then Moses had legged it. And he'd gone, he scarpered, and he was over here looking after sheep. Yeah. And God spoke to him. And because God, he never stops working. Yeah. And he said, and the Lord said to, Mo to Moses, I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into a fertile and spacious land, etc., etc. You know the story. So the children of Israel, they're over here. They were suffering. But God doesn't stop working. He's working. He's always working. And he was out here talking to Moses. He was working. Right. What's your situation? Are you in that, like, in the, a bit dark, a bit hard? Maybe you like that picture I had of in the nighttime. God doesn't stop working. He's always working. And when you come out of it, you'll look back and see, whoa, look what he was doing. He was working. He always keeps working. That bank account of yours looks pretty grim. God, stopped, God doesn't stop working. He's always working. The sickness you're going through, it's hard. God's working. He doesn't stop working. He's always working in the darkness, in the hard times. He's working. He never stops working. And that's what God's doing for each of us this morning. Be encouraged. Whatever situation you're in, reach out to God. We've been worshiping a mighty God this morning who doesn't stop working through the darkness. He's always working for your situation this morning. Wherever you are, whatever it is, He's working. He doesn't stop working. He wants to change your life and work in him. Trust him this morning. Amen. So there was a, a News 24 article that came out this week where our premier, Alan Winder, is um, making a request to Cyril Ramaphosa that the Western Cape be moved to level two, which would mean that we can gather in this building. So I would want you to stand with me today because our prayers of the righteous are going to make sure that Cyril Ramaphosa hears this petition. Yeah. The people, I keep getting, I was driving in the car the other day and I was praying into this and the sound came out of me. It was almost like God saying, let my people go. Let my people go. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me, guys, the ones here in the hall. Stand in your homes, guys. This is serious. 
we can't settle for this. We're not settling for this little thing over Zoom where we hardly hear. We're not settling. It is time we take our land back. And Amen. it is working. We are being heard in the heavenlies. In Jesus' name. Father God, we come before you today, Lord Jesus, and we thank you that you have carried us, Father. You have carried us. You have never let us go. But today, Lord, we say that the words of our premier, you would anoint them, Lord, that they would carry much weight, that, that you would almost irritate Cyril Ramaphosa's spirit, Lord. You would frustrate him in understanding that he has to open the churches, Lord Jesus. We have to take the ground back, Father God. In Jesus' name, we declare to the enemy, let our people go. In Jesus' name. No more. This week, Lord, we expect to hear from the president. We expect that something will shift in the heavenlies. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, tomorrow we are going to be embarking on our 21 days fast, prayer, um, declare, and grumble. Okay, those words have been rolling in our heads for the last few weeks and stuff. Yeah. Prayer, declare, grumble. It just, grumble doesn't fit because offense doesn't fit, you see. So it, it sounds out of place on purpose. We're not trying to make it sound. Prayer, declare, grumble. Okay, because grumbling's painful. And it's painful for all of us. It's painful for you. It's painful for all of us. Okay. But uh, what I WhatsApped you this week, okay, and I want to encourage you guys to hold on to those things. The reality is what I said. There's the, the words in Hebrew and Greek, what it means when we are declaring and decreeing and what, the, what actually ta is taking place in the heavenlies. I'm going to speak into all this now, but there was a link that I put onto the WhatsApp there for the Global Watch, where for many of us as leaders, we've connected with this couple, Fred and Sue Rao, that I've known for the last nine years, and have, they have proved themselves faithful when it comes to prayer and what God is doing around the nations. Now, I've been a part of that Global Watch thing, and I know the calls are at five o'clock in the morning and two in the afternoon, because they do the morning sacrifice and evening sacrifice according to Jerusalem time. But on the 31st of October, it changes back to 6 a.m. and to 3 p.m., which is a little bit more gettable. But the reason I'm giving you this details is that not only with what we're doing here as a people, but that you can look in to what's also happening around the nations of the world. So we've been praying into the things of Afghanistan. We've, uh, we've had um, uh, people from, Afghani from um, Iran speaking on these calls. All the nations that are in turmoil, from Australia to New Zealand, Myanmar is on there, people based in Israel, all the fires taking place in Turkey, all the fires happening in, in, um, in California again, the chaos that's ensuing around the nations. There's people that are on the ground giving insight. So it's not m news media that's giving you half the story. You're hearing exactly what's happening. And even for South Africa, there was a whole host of us that these guys were praying into this beautiful nation of South Africa. So they're going to journey for from tomorrow. It starts at five in the morning with the first call. And there's some beautiful teachers that are going to be sharing about the ecclesia, sharing about the power of uh, symphony and harmony and prayer, that whole agreement word. But on the last nine days of the of the prayer and fasting time, there's going to be a virtual tour of Israel, okay, which is only going to be the afternoon ones. It's going to be two o'clock in the afternoon. Now, I, I've been there, honestly, and that nation, I don't know what it was, it impacted me. And I want to encourage you, it changed my life, honestly. And I want to encourage you that afternoon, you can catch up on these things on YouTube. You can find the Global Watch uh, YouTube channel. But the guy that's leading the, 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 the kind of tour and stuff is a spirit-filled Messianic Jew. And he, I promise you, you will be impacted by what you see happening. And he gives context to what's happening today 
in the nation of Israel, which is a big sign to what's taking place, what God is doing in these times. So I just wanted to plug that a little bit because I want you to understand we're not a little community here doing a 21-day prayer and fasting, hoping for the best. We're actually partnering with hundreds of people around the nations of the world. Okay, and we've got our journey. They've also added the grumble part of this to the fast from a book that a lady had written. So we are partnering with people and friends around the nations. That's the joy in this. Okay, so we're not alone. Okay, so as we kind of start tomorrow, the theme and the alignment, uh, or the theme that we had for the converts, I know it's prayer, declare, and grumble, but it was those three words which run parallel to this was arise, align, and activate. Okay, and we did that in February, and it was brilliant to have voice notes from everybody, and if you hear a, a rumbling in the background, that's the rain on the roof in this building. The blessing of rain that keeps coming, the dams are full, but in October, the wind's going to pick up, and then the sun's going to shine, and I can get back into shorts and t-shirt. It's coming, it's coming. Anyway, so these, these 21 days, the first kind of five, six days, we're going to speak into a rising. Okay, so it's a rise. Now, this is Jesus speaking to you. Okay, so if Jesus was standing behind, right with you, and he said, Arise, arise, my beloved, arise, my beautiful one, arise from your slumber, arise, my church. That's what he's calling us. He's speaking to us, saying, Come, come, don't do church on your terms, don't do this. Arise, come on, I'm the head, you're the body, arise, and then align. He's saying, Align yourself to my purposes, not your purposes, my purposes, and my promises that I've spoken over you. Okay. And that's over your life, over this community, and over the city. We'll align ourselves with what He says. Not what we want, but what His Word says. That's the power in it. And then He's saying, do something about it. Like my dad always say, that's, don't sit there like a bump on a log. <laughs> you know, <laughs> on your blessed assurance. Goodness me. And do something about it. Okay, meaning activate. Activate. Okay. Activate. The gifting that is placed inside of you, the gifting that he's given you is from you, is from him. He's given you a gift. Activate it. Operate in it. It doesn't mean standing on the mic talking. It means doing what you're called to do with the gifting that's placed inside of you and walk in it and walk into convergence, meaning that place of absolute joy knowing I'm in the will of God. I feel the, the sense of his, 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 his heart all over in what I do every single day of my life. Okay, And in all this, allow hope to arise in your hearts. Because he's coming back. He's arising and eternity is our reward in the midst of chaos. That's the hope that arises in us. He's saying, trust me, we got this. Me and the Trinity, he's saying over us, we got it. Don't panic. Hold on to the darkness all around you. He's still working. He's still working. Great word, Ray. Eh? So why I sent you that voice note on Friday was because I want you also, to, we are relatable here. We're very authentic the way we do stuff. Like the reality, folks, in the natural of saying, yes, let's do a 21-day prayer and fasting. Let's do this. We're all emotionally drained. I'm, I'm emotionally sapped out, man. Like this stuff, it's just one after the other keeps happening. And we're all facing that. We're all dealing with these realities. So in my flesh, I'm like, I can't do this. I actually don't want to. Yeah, thanks, Kathleen. That's the truth. I don't feel like doing this, man. Because it feels like I've got to, yeah, that's fine. You can live in that soulish realm and keep building yourself up and stuff. It will tire you. Because it's in your own strength. Okay? But when we trust in the strength of the power of the Spirit inside of us, that arises in our hearts okay, to believe and to trust God. And the reality is we know it's necessary. We know it's necessary to hear and to listen with what God is saying to our hearts and align ourselves and with the purposes of what He is 
kind of saying. So it is a decision to make. I don't want any one of us, and I'm going to send the recording out for this this afternoon because I want everybody to hear this before we start the fast. In the flesh, we all fail. But in the spirit, we come alive with the things of God and we start hearing what he's saying to us and stuff. It's not about performance. It's not about getting it right or wrong. It's not about feasting on the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's about looking to the tree of life and just being faithful and obedient to what he's calling us to be. So every one of us, we must engage with us. Declare these things over your lives and your hearts. And I'll give a little preamble. I might send them out the evening before or at six in the morning. I don't know, which I'll, I'll figure out the best. But I want to ask people, speak these declarations out aloud. Say them with your kids. Before they leave for school, speak them out loud. Okay, and declare them into the heavenlies. And I'll speak into that a little bit now as we kind of go. And I want to read a few different passages. So I'm going to speak through prayer, declare, and grumble. I'm going to use those three as a kind of foundation what we want to speak to there this morning. Now, we all know the story, you know, where Jesus was um, <coughs> in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's asking the Father to take this cup from me. And uh, he had Peter, James, and John with him. And I just read this this morning again. Three times he went back to them. Three times. And every time they were sleeping. And, and it doesn't, it says they were sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So they obviously woke up and went, yeah, no, 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 yeah, no, no, we are, you know. Yeah, no, no, yeah, so, so, you know, like covering up, you were dead asleep. You know, and I, I have said this here yeah, before, and, and the realities of stuff is that, is that, you know, when we, when we are not carrying the burden, Jesus was carrying such a heavy burden in that place that he, he, that he like sweated drops of blood. Okay, with the pressure, the, f- the physical human pressure he was under about facing the realities of death on the cross. Those disciples weren't carrying the same burden. But what God is doing in our hearts over this last two years is that he's, he's landing on our hearts the burden for the nations, the burden for him to move, the burden that we carry. We don't just carry on with our little lives, all our importance, but actually lay our lives down before him. And this burden that we carry will arise your heart in prayer. It, it'll get you to that point, because if you look at the disciples, when Jesus had ascended and left, I think I said this on the, on the WhatsApp on Friday, is that they were accused of all sorts of stuff. They faced Pharisees, Sadducees, the Sanhedrin opposition they had. They were stoned, they were beaten. They were all sorts of opposition, but they came alive in prayer. And you see, now we are faced with opposition, the nations in the world right now. Are we coming alive in prayer? And that's the, the reality, you know. And I think when we think of intercessors and, uh, and worship and prayer that have been such an important part of the bay, you know, we've believed in prayer. We've always pushed hard for it. Worship being the place of His presence that we honor, that we establish an altar of His presence here in the, in the spiritual realm so that the heavenlies take notice. Because we've all got altars on our hearts, but we've also got an altar that we establish over this place in the spiritual realm. It's not just hidden hope for the best. You know, things are established in the heavenlies. And I, was having, I thought about this, about the tabernacle of David, you know, that's, that we are pursuing, of that was spoken in Amos 9 and then Acts 15, about the restoration of that. It doesn't mean just a happy two hours on a Sunday morning. There's something far bigger when you speak about the tabernacle of David. It's a restoration of a people that are sold out in honoring God and His presence. And, and people have their position and their place to kind of journey together. It doesn't land on one person. It's a community. It's a whole nation that would kind of arise in there. Now, the think, our thinking was, you know, and it's just still an introduction, by the way. We, we're getting there. When, uh, when, we, when we are in our hearts, what we're desiring when we set time aside for prayer, like we've done so many times. So many times I've led worship here from, you know, 2 to 4 in the morning or 1 to 3 in the morning. 
You know, and you know, well, why? Because there's purpose in that. But the heart is like, God, we, 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 we believe in for peace. We believe in for your kingdom blessing to be poured out. We believe in for favor of your kingdom people, that the church would arise. That's what we are believing for. But in reality, what are we seeing? More chaos ensuing. I'm like, are you hearing us, Lord? Like, is there any response? And I just felt him say to me, of course I'm hearing you. Of course I'm responding. Because there's an enemy who's responding to all your prayers and to all your worship. And what's setting in order is that he's always going to react. He's always going to wag his tail and cause chaos. So actually, the prayers are working. All that's played, taking place over the last two years is because of the prayers of the saints. The enemy is reactive to this arising of people's hearts that has taken place. See what's happening. Look at the perspective. He's working in the darkness. He's still working. And actually, I've got such hope. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly it. Remember Mitchell's plane when we all gathered then? We prayed in the gang-ridden area, and there were 200 and whatever, 300,000 of us that prayed, and Angus declaring rain, and rain came eventually. It all kind of happened. And then chaos ensued in Mitchell's plane. And everyone's like, oh, the prayers didn't work. I'm like, they did work. That's exactly the reaction because it's the enemy that uses, as we are kingdom agents, he uses agents on earth to cause absolute mayhem. So keep going. Now there's 21 days. Align. Arise. Speak truth. Declare over your family. Declare over your homes. God is hearing our prayers. And there is breakthrough that's taking place. Because when it gets darker, the light just shines brighter. That's all that happens, without a doubt. Because we are as I've said uh, uh, probably a million times, Ephesians 3 verse 10, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. We're setting an order. We are a legislative body declaring order into the heavenlies. That's what we do. That's the call of the ecclesia. That's what we're doing. That's what takes place when we press in to pray and worship and what God is doing. So don't fear. Don't lose uncertainty in this time. What's happening, God is at work. He's doing it for us. Don't, in the midst of the chaos, blessing will flow and the lights will keep shining brighter. Okay, that's, I just had to get stuff off my chest as an introduction, okay? So if we look at the three things, prayer, declare, and grumble, okay? So prayer, I want to use a passage here from 2 Samuel 6 verse 9. I was reading this the other day, and this, this part of passage now is where David, had they've just kind of beaten the Philistines, and they've got the ark back. Because you know the ark? The ark was the, the representation of the presence of God. It was the blessing to the people of Israel. They had lost the ark, and they got the ark back from the Philistines. And you read the preempting parts there, how David just listened to the Lord. He just, the God, you know, he said, you know, asking him, how are we going to do about this? He, you know, and, and the Lord gave him clear direction, clear assignments of what to do. They captured the ark back. There was joy in Israel. Everyone's excited and happy. There's celebration. And now they're going to march their way back to Jerusalem. And they're going to climb Mount Zion. And from Mount Zion, they're going to ascend the hill of the Lord, which it's called. And they're going to set the tabernacle in place. And they're going to honor and worship God as they ascend the hill of the Lord with the presence of God with them. But we all know the story is that they, it says they, they, they had a new cart so they obviously had something new. It wasn't an old one. A new cart set in place. And Uzzah and another guy there were the ones that were steering this thing. And uh, they're on their way. We're heading up towards Jerusalem. And there was a point where the ark stumbled. And it says, at the threshing floor, the ark stumbled. And Uzzah stepped out to kind of make sure that it didn't fall. And he was a fried crispy there because he touched the ark and he died. And uh, this is David's response. 
to what God says. And it says, 2 Samuel 6, 9, it says, David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez Uzzah, which means the breach of Uzzah, like um, to this day. And this is the part that got me. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me if these things are taking place? And then they took the ark to Obed-Edom for three months. He was a Levite. And he just had blessing over his family because the presence of God was right there residing in his home and his house. And David had to take time to ponder and consider his ways, afraid of the Lord, angry with God. How could you do that? We're doing a good thing here. Now you can imagine David's process in his mind there. He's like, come on, man. We were doing the thing. Like, there's a celebration happening here. And uh, so I, I think I sounded like Biden there for a moment. We're doing the thing. You know, the thing, the thing, the thing you do, the, the thing and stuff. Sorry. Anyway, that was for free. Okay. He was saying, like, you know, this is a big party. This is a celebration. This is like, we're honoring you, God. We're bringing the ark back, you know, and, the, and you've spoiled it all now by killing Uzzah. You know, we were doing a good thing for you. Can you not see our hearts? He's angry with God because he's upset, you know, who, and, you know, um, who, and Uzzah, he was just trying to help. Like, come on. I mean, this is a good thing. We're going back to Jerusalem now, man. This is all like part of the thing, though, having the, the ark of the covenant back and we're doing something good here. But that's not the point. That's not even, that's not even the issue here. The, the issue why God stepped in place then, why that happened, is because David wasn't following the instructions God had given with regards to the ark. He was doing what he thought was best. <laughs> and well, his, his, his best wasn't good enough, actually. Because it wasn't what God had instructed, that when that ark is transported... There are poles that follow through rings, and Levites carry it. So what seemed good was actually not good in God's, God's eyes. Because you weren't following order. If you read Exodus, and you read the book of Leviticus, the last bit of Exodus is hard, and the book of Leviticus is hard to read, because it's all about order. It's all about the laws. Now, in the end of Exodus, it's all talking about building this ark, building this, this tabernacle. It's so specific. And they were setting, there's a reason for that. Do you think God's changed how He is to be specific with us now and how we listen to Him? I don't think so. Are we just doing it what we feel is good? Or are we actually obeying of what He's actually telling us to do and follow His order and not what we want? You know, and that's exactly what David happened. And he said, and, and David admitted at that point, we did, not, we did not consult God about the proper order. Here. And we in the modern world, if we're honest, we live according to our own patterns. I've told this again a thousand times. We add this Christianity thing into our busy worlds. It's the wrong way around, folks. It's the wrong way around. We live for God, His reason, His kingdom, everything, and then we go on with our lives. Okay? And it takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. This is why the power of the sacrifice of praise. I think I read that in Psalm 100. It says in there this morning, a sacrifice of praise to Him, it costs it's a laying down your life. Romans 12, lay your lives down. Honor your bodies as a living sacrifice to the Almighty God. And you need revelation of that. That's not just a, oh, this is a good thing. It's a revelation of knowing who you are in response to the Almighty God and honoring Him. Okay, Because when we, we don't feel like it, or we turn away from the opportunity, all because we're walking through you know, the realities of what we've got around us here, it's the most important time for you to press in when you don't feel like it. That's why it's a sacrifice. 
That's why I'm talking about this 21 days. In, in reality, my flesh says, really? But I know we must do it. Because it's not according to the flesh. It's according to the spirit that we do things. Okay? And this is, again, why we, and we stand and fight for this year, is that corporate Sundays are so powerful. When we're all in this room together, and I know with everybody that's ever been into this place and worshipped, you leave feeling encouraged. You might feel arrive feeling despondent, hopeless, but you leave feeling full of courage because you've tasted the presence of God. We've been forced to learn to find that in our own strength, which has been very difficult. No, sorry, not in our own strength, in our own environments, because you won't get it in your own strength. It's in our own environments where we've had to really learn to worship God in spirit and in truth on our own and press through. It's very difficult to kind of have that. Can Jesus ask those disciples when he was standing with them in the garden, just pray with me one hour. Just pray one hour. And that's where that line, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Okay? And David's order, he realized, be obedient to what God is saying. Follow his order. And actually, God told me in January, February this year, September, we must do a fast. And I tarried with it. I was like, really? Double? We're going to do another one? We don't want to kind of demand of the people too much? Just do what he says. Just do what he says. It's not about how you feel about the people here. You know, get over yourself quickly, kid will. And actually, just do what God says. And here we are on the brink of walking into a 21 days and trusting God. Not to get something out of it, but in obedience of what he said. So we align ourselves with him. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Um, <clears throat> okay, and then, so that's prayer, and prayer is powerful. That's why we're going to press into this in our own walks, in our own lives, and declare things now. We're going to declare, <clears throat> and what's our WhatsApp to you on Friday was the understanding of what the Greek and what the Hebrew, thanks to Phanus who sent that to me a while back, just the, actually what's happening when you are declaring things into the heavens. So the, the Greek context to the words meaning to set forth, to make visible, to magnify, to extol, to show, to be righteous. In the Hebrew one, one word is amar, to command, to set an order in place. You're, you, we're a legislative body. We're not just a, a group hoping for the best. We set an order. And through our declarations, look what's taken place. Trace, did you have any idea that that income was going to come your way? You had no, you didn't try, you didn't, anything. It came without even looking for it. Out of the blue. Now that's God aligning for us. And I know God's going to do that. We said something here on Sunday afterwards with regards to Nathan raised something where his leaders were just chatting a little bit. The stream of income that we need for the promises of God is going to go beyond the tithes of this place. It's so much bigger, folks. We're not putting pressure on everybody. Yeah, like, hey, but it's up to you. We need 100 million. It's up to that guy with his business. He's like, only turn over 500,000. How am I going to do that? No, it's relax. There's no pressure on us to do this. God is going to do it for us. He's going to align us with the right people, the right times. It's in his time. We've got this building here worth 20 million rand paid off because he, we were obedient to him 15, 16, 17 years ago. See what happens. Just be faithful. You see, because we declared, and we trusted, and we believed, okay? The reality is, you see, your life is a living declaration to God. Every time you leave this place or your home, you are a living declaration to the Almighty God, how you conduct your life, how you live in your workplace, how everything plays out for you. You are the ambassador of the kingdom of God. It's a declaration to the spiritual and an example to the people around you of who you stand for and who God is in your life. Okay, and last year, through all the 
hundreds of millions of Zoom meetings I've done over the last 18, 20 months. I walked into my man cave the one morning, and I was given a mantle in this place in, uh, on, the, on the, the 12th of March in, in, in 2016 by Chuck Pierce. He was here. Some of you might have been here. I remember that day. But he, he, he put a mantle on me, and he gave it to me a, as a thing of God's going to raise you up, and he's going to raise what God is doing in this community for the city and for this house. And uh, at the moment, at the time, I was like, really? And I've had that mantle with me. It's just, it's just a beautiful um, a pashmina. That's right. I wouldn't have used that word, but anyway, pashmina and stuff. But it, it was from, I think it's from Israel that he got it from. You know, and I've carried that thing with me. So if I've traveled overseas over all those years, I put it in my bag. And I just take it with me. I don't wear it when I preach. <laughs> it's not under my garment here, okay? All right, I don't wear it like that, but I carry it with me as a, as a representative of what you said, God. Okay, and some, maybe three or four times in the last six years, five years, I've put it on in my man cave and I've prayed. So God, you said, I wear this. Because now we are given robes of righteousness that you can't see, but you carry it. Okay, now what God is saying, and he said to me as I walked in the man cave, it was on my chair and it had fallen on the floor. And God said to me, it's the season to pick up mantles. I was like, and it's not for myself, but just for people. It's the season to pick up your mantle. Pick up your mantle. Okay, now what is your mantle? Okay, and the point of your mantle is that it's, this is the authority that's been given you for you to walk into, okay, which is enthused by the power of your gifting that God has given to you. Walk out the call and the duty that's on your life. So actually your mantle means your spiritual authority that you wear in the spiritual realm over yourself. And you believe in what God has trusted. It doesn't mean to necessarily have to say that someone's given you a physical mantle or prayed over you. You understand, I know as a child of the living God, a son and a daughter signed up to the army of God, I have a mantle on me to perform a duty here for his kingdom on earth. I sign up to his majesty, the king, for what he's done for you. Here I am, Lord, reporting for duty. And my mantle is the authority that I have to be able to walk it out. In the authority that you've given me, to kind of walk out, okay? See, if you don't have that and you've left it lying on the ground, you have no purpose. There's no point of living here. It's not about the money you make. It's not about how big your family is going to be. It's not about the legacy you leave on earth with related to how many businesses you had. None of that. It's about what you did for the kingdom. That's what we got to declare as a, as a, as a people, live a living declaration. So when you stand and you take that first declaration tomorrow morning, Picture yourself with the mantle of authority that's on you, and you are declaring, legislating into the spiritual realm. And you know what? They listen. If you obey your authority, or if you if heed to and understand the authority that's on you, it's not name it and grab it and blab it, and it's not that. You can just whisper it, said you, and you speak an order into being. And we're not going to shout at the devil now for 21 days. That's not going to happen, okay? <laughs> We just declare the light. We declare the truth. We declare our hope in the Almighty God. And that's the reality of. So, authentic authority does not need to shout. She said that very calmly to me, but it carried a punch. Authentic authority doesn't need to shout. Okay? So, I want to ask you has the fear of the Lord gripped your heart? Are you anguished? Are you not walking in alignment to your purpose and destiny for your life? 
It's time to walk in the alignment of what God has called you to do. Put that mantle on. I'd say even physically tomorrow morning, put it on. Say, God, I have a robe of righteousness that you've given me. This is how I can stand before you because of this robe of righteousness. Now this mantle of authority you've placed on me as a believer, I declare these things into the heavenlies. And we speak in order. Amen? It's your, it's your spiritual authority. Okay? And now grumble. Prayer, declare, grumble. And John 6 was a passage that kind of stuck out to me with regards to this. But we read the Israelites, they leave Egypt, and they wander, and then they're grumbling. Oh, we want to go back to Egypt where there was lentils and all sorts of stuff. Really? Like lentils? Is that the thing you're after? Like, is, seriously? Who said amen? Whoa. Sorry. Uh, I don't think I'd be going back to Egypt for lentils. Okay, like, get real. Okay, like, seriously, if there was, <laughs> yeah. No, no, never go back. Yeah, that's fine. She wasn't grumbling. But if there were like some magnificent golf courses there, and like, I want to go back and play golf there in Egypt. It was awesome. Grumbling, grumbling. And I want to read some passages here this morning, because I think this is probably our most important one. I think prayer, we understand. We've lived our lives. We've done it. We've understood. We declare. We hold on to that. But you know what? This is the one that steals from us. This is the one that takes our position because we are stuck in a framework and a, and a way of thinking. And I want to read, it's a longer passage, but it's John 6, firstly, from 41 to 45. Now, this is, John 6 is in the synagogue in Capernaum. Okay, when our Jesus is basically telling everybody, I'm the bread of life. You need to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Okay, now you can imagine what people are thinking. Is he making us to be cannibals? That's the honesty, the thinking. What is this person talking about? Is he crazy, this guy? And he had to say these truths. He had to set them in order. And this is the response. And said, so that from verse 41, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus? Now they're trying to diminish who this is. Isn't it Jesus, the son of Jovis, Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Like, come on, who's this guy I think he is? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? You can hear the jeering, the grumbling. Really? Okay. And Jesus answered them, do not grumble amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. So he just throws in another thing to offend them by basically saying, I'm God standing right in front of you, and I'm busy teaching you. They're like, who is this guy? Who does he think that he is? Again, they took offense. Deep offense at this person. You're Joseph's son, man. You're a nobody. How can you call yourself the Messiah? And the reality in that day, there were failed messiahs because other people had come and also claimed, and the failed messiah is a dead messiah, or a dead messiah is a failed messiah. He has this one guy. Yeah, here we go. And what did they say in the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees? If he's from God, let him do one. You won't stop this. Or if he's it's another one raising his voice, it'll go away. This one didn't go away. <laughs> I want to read from John 6, 60. It says, now, when many of the disciples heard it, they said, oh, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Like they challenged by it. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, do you take offense at this? And here's the key with grumbling. Grumbling, actually, the starting point of grumbling is offense. It's offensive. So are you, why, are you, why have you taken offense? Because you have a murmuring myself. Who is, what's he, what's he, what's he talking about? I'm just, oh, I can't do this. Then what if 
then he says to them, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? And he says some key stuff here. And he says the same in the passage where he speaks about in the Garden of Gethsemane. He uses two words, flesh and spirit. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now hear what he says here. He says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. Boom. Hey? Your flesh is of no help. You're trying to figure this all out in the flesh. You can't figure it out like that. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. That word life, there is Zoe life. Okay, it's the state of one who is possessed of vitality and animate, meaning total uh, peace and joy in your life that gets given to you. Okay? But these are some, but there, there are some of you who do not believe. And says, now for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, that is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. And after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? They all walked away. There was probably hundreds of people there. This conversation started. Lots left. No, please, man. This guy's he's full of nonsense here. Full of nonsense. There were a whole lot of others. They all walked away. Twelve he's left with. You guys want to go as well? You believe what I'm saying? Hmm. Simon Peter answered. Good old Simon. He's always good there to say, as Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered him, I did not choose you. Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is the devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon of Iscariot, sorry. For he, the one of the twelve, was going to betray him. You know? So the word grumble there, okay, I want to say it. Grumble means to murmur, to mutter. Uh, say anything against in a low tone. Oh, what, is he, wh- what do you mean by that? What, do you, what are these people up to? It's like this grumble. Okay, of a, it says here of uh, the other meaning of cooing of doves for those who confer secretly together. Did you hear, did you hear what happened there? <laughs> you can actually believe the Bay are actually believing for a breakthrough. <laughs> oh, grumble, grumble. And those who discontently complain. How dare the leaders sit here? without us, and we all stuck at home. Interesting one, that one. Grumble. See, listen to this. The offense of the mind reveals your heart. Every time. The offense of the mind will reveal your heart. Look at the last 20 months in social media. Look at the offense of people, how their hearts are portrayed out there. It's quite disgusting, actually, how people behave in public with the fence of their hearts when people, then they grumble, they moan amongst themselves and can be this, okay? So Jesus' walk and mandate on his life caused offense. It just was going to happen. And I, and I understand, they did not see it coming. They, uh, they had a perception of what, this is what it will look like, and it came in exactly the opposite kind of way, a baby born in the main, what? They didn't get it because they perceived it would be done in a certain way. So they took offense at this man who claimed to be the sire. But he knew that through it, okay, he, um, so he'd walk out all his ways with him. So I don't know what I was trying to type there, okay. 
He knew who would stick by him and walk with him. I've experienced that here. leading the bay for nearly eight years now of who sticks it out and who walks with us. When we are, I don't choose to offend people on purpose. I can tell you Jesus didn't choose to offend people. He, he chose to hold truth. And truth is just going to offend. When you hold your line on stuff, you don't try and, I don't try and offend somebody on purpose. It just happens. Okay? And when I watched Aiden's rugby match on Friday afternoon, his first rugby match, I realized I might be offensive to some referee one day because I realized I couldn't keep quiet. He's under nine, folks. It's going to be a good start. Good luck. No, no, that's right. No, no, never. No, that would never be me. Never get involved. Don't shout. Don't scream. Okay? See, grumbling is offense in seed form. So the grumbling and stuff, and then you, uh, you fester that little grumble in your heart. And we sow seed, time, harvest. Boom. And that's why the church is divided. Because we all carry different things in our hearts in all different ways. Cognitive dissonance is a massive thing playing out. Watch it, folks. It's everywhere all the time. It's disagreement with your standard and the truth that you hold onto what you're believing for. See, the church, Jesus, it says he is the rock of offense. <laughs> he's, just, he's just going to, if you, if you can speak about God in context, this, I'm, on a, I'm on, a, um, on, a, on a group of people, it's random, but it's a, it's a, it's a, a crossword puzzle app. Okay, I like doing crosswords. Okay, and, and, and so, so you fill in the words and letters, and there's a group of South Africans, and there's clearly some people on there, and she's always speaking about light and life and everything, and I, and I know, I don't comment, I don't get involved, they carry on, they do their thing. I know if the moment I go, Jesus is the truth, let's look to him, it'll cause offense on that group, because <laughs> they don't want to hear the truth. They know it, but they don't want to hear it, and uh, maybe one day I will, but then I'm doing it on purpose. You know, don't, just don't provoke, you know, kind of stuff. No, Kathleen's, don't do it. Don't, I won't do it. And stuff. But if I use the name Jesus, that's going to offend people. He is the rock of offense because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And this chapter, funny enough, reminds me when I was in Israel in 2012, and we were there in the synagogue in Capernaum. And I remember we all took time to read John 6 because there's a lot he does in this chapter leading up to this point saying, I am the bread of life, you know, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Okay, and so we sat there, and I remember sitting there reading this, and then felt the, the right response for me was to feel sad for Jesus, because he got rejected on this day. He was turned away by many people, just said, ah, please, man, who are you? And that was my, my fleshly response to how I needed to feel for Jesus in that moment. I remember feeling like, why aren't you feeling sad enough, bro? You're in the actual synagogue where this took place, and it's all happened around you here, and you're not feeling enough emotion. And I wanted to cry for Jesus. I just wanted to oh, feel the pain of that offense of people and all that kind of thing. And I realized that's all fleshly. How pathetic. I don't think Jesus shed one tear after people walking away from him. Because he knew what he was about. He wasn't, gonna, he wasn't looking for sympathy with his disciples. Are you going now too? Because if you're going to go, he says, I'll, uh, basically, I'll start again and get another 12. Because if you aren't going to be it, we'll just have to keep going here. And he, just, he was determined by what he saw, by what the Father had spoken to him. He wasn't alone. He had all the hosts of heaven supporting him. And he'd been there because he knows all of them anyway and, and engaged with it. And he wasn't alone. He wasn't worried about people and their fleshly problems and the offense they were taking over him, knowing he's the truth. So I got caught up in fleshly ways. 
by the Spirit. That's how he knew. I've got this. I'm in a, and, and, and I realized in my own flesh, I actually was wanting to be sad for Jesus. And he wasn't requiring me to be sad for him. You know? How, how often have we done that? You feel what Jesus must have felt there. He's like, I got over that a long time ago, bro. Probably 2,000 years. And it really wasn't as bad as what you think it was. I knew what it was about. I had set my eyes towards Jerusalem where I was going to die for the sins of the world and you were included in that. Come on, arise and the authority that you've got. Stop whimpering about how you think I'm sad. I'm not. Hey? Amen? So I encourage you today, don't get caught up in grumbling, okay? Because it leads to offense and offense, the seed of that will cause umpteen problems in your life because it's from the offense of something else will cause problems in another relationship. I guarantee you, because the offense of the mind will reveal your heart, okay? So now as we enter into these 21 days, and I'm going to wrap up here with this stuff here, is must remember we are made up of soul, spirit, and body. It's the three parts of us. We are not entering these 21 days just with our souls, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Those things are just feelings. Those things are just the drive, your will to kind of live on this earth and do stuff, your mind, your thoughts, and your emotions are not the thing that are going to sustain you. My emotions, I'm tired, there's a lot at stake right now, but my spirit is alive. Okay, there's what we live from. Okay, and then the flesh, which is always in constant opposition to what the spirit wants to do. That's why fasting is training the flesh to say, you know what, for 21 days, I'm in charge now, and I'm going to be telling you and putting you in order. The first five, six, seven days, it's a shouting match inside. Okay? There's a lot of grumbling going on in your own flesh. Oh, let's flip. I love coffee. I love coffee, but I'm not having coffee. I'm not having coffee. Oh, that coffee smells nice. Okay? It's the flesh. We've got to fight and we've got to stand to this because it's the disobedience that it wants to kind of play out in your life. So yeah, here's the reality. When I wear that mantle on me in the flesh, okay, it's just a cloth. It's just, it's just a piece of fabric. A, what? A pashmina. A pashmina. It means nothing in the flesh. It's nice blue color. It's not that I'd <laughs> wear it out. It's really not stylish for me at all. Okay? But in the spirit, it's my authority. And what I've been given from the Almighty God to walk in, Ephesians 3.10, okay? Ask you, how are you seen in the spiritual realm? How are the heavens looking at you in the spiritual realm? Think about that. You pray and you stand in your authority. Are the, are the demons going, ah, two days later, you will, it's, it's, we've seen this happen over and over. Lots of, lots of fanfare and then it disappears. Just ignore him. They're not a threat. We need to be a threat in the heavenlies for the kingdom of darkness as we declare the kingdom of light. It's the same with our prayer and our declara de declarations. That declaration on finances, if we do it in the flesh, is just a whole lot of nice sounding words. It just sounds great. Wow, that's, yeah, that's pretty effective. That's cool. It's just words. But when we take it in the spirit and we declare those things that they are mighty, it sets a different order over our lives. I've been, I've been listening to the, that album of The Greatest Showman again and stuff. I just felt intrigued by that. I love that movie. I love those songs that are on there. They're incredible. So I'm playing in the car loud with the kids. We go on Saturday mornings, we go out and get coffee and hot chocolate. That's a bit of a routine we're doing. They're loving it. So we're playing the song loudly in the car. They're loving it. It's awesome again. And I tested them. I said, now, guys, this song, would you actually do this song in church? Because it sounds awesome, eh? 
it's like pumped up. The Oaks are singing, I'm coming home, I'm coming home. They're giving an horns there. They were like, no. I was like, good, you passed the test. Because worship as well, you can sing songs and we can have fanfare and we can all make it sound incredible and we can feel, oh, I feel so good, but it's all still in the flesh. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. But Jesus said when you worship in spirit and in truth and the anointing, that's why we can sing a song, My Jesus, My Savior, from 1994. It's not old because it's got an anointing on it. Kathleen's been listening to As the Deer Pants. That was probably written in 19 Futsack, you know, whenever. You know, it's still got an anointing on it. There's the difference. It's not just words of singing, oh, that feel, I feel so nice when I sing that song. No, no, it's authority. There's an anointing. You are spirit. That's how we live. That's how we walk into these 21 days by the spirit. You see, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments. Woo! And every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Just open your phone and open Facebook and scroll and you will see opinions and every lofty opinion against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. You see this thing is related to words and thoughts. We take captive. We don't allow those things to set an order over our lives. What words and thoughts are you going to have over the next 21 days that are of life and, then are, and are of spirit? And I'll end with this, those two words, spirit and life, okay? We pray, we declare, and we stop grumbling. By the spirit we pray. By the spirit we declare. And by the spirit we turn our grumbling into faith and believing what God is doing. Because it says in John 10.10 10, that the thief... Interesting, I was talking to someone a while back. It doesn't say the devil there. It says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And actually not relating necessarily to the devil. Just the thief. That the, the thief. Anyway. I nearly said the government, but it's not. It says the thief. But I said the government. Sorry. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life in abundance. In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of what the darkness is seeming to get darker, he's still working because we operate and live in spirit and in life. Amen. Let me pray as we finish off here today and honor God for what he's doing. And, our, and the folks, as we journey into this 21 days, God is going to do a good work over your heart and over your life. Father, we thank you that today we can arise in faith, knowing that we are born of the spirit we thank you that your words you said there, this, what, the words that he said in that passage, it says, it says that uh, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. Those are your words, Jesus. So we don't lean on our flesh now in this next 21 days. We arise in our spirits, knowing that my spirit bears witness with your spirit that I'm a child of the living God. And we set an order over our lives, over this community, and over this city, Lord, as we declare your name. We declare the truth of who you are and spoken to our hearts and our lives. And I pray over hearts where offense has gripped them. Yeah. I pray and I, and I plead with you, forgive. Forgive and let go. You are being bound by the chains of darkness if you've held on to offense and you've allowed the, 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 the grumbling in your heart to fester and to form seeds of offense in your heart. Forgive forgive, forgive. Let it go. 
There's no point in holding on to that stuff. Father, I pray courage into every heart that people will learn to live in the truth, not their own opinions, not their own understanding, Lord, but the, the understanding of who you are to us, Lord Jesus. So I pray that as we embark on this journey, you would give us life and you would fill us with, with a fresh courage, a fresh faith, a fresh hope in the season to know and believe you. And Father, we ask of you, we would continue to see miracles being poured out upon lives financially, upon this community. We ask of you, keep pouring it out to us as we position ourselves in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Sorry, I might have gone over time, but um, no, it's only 11. That's fine. And so, have we got an after party? Anybody feeling something? Now, we like to just open up the floor. We got Caleb. Yeah, we have after, after parties here. It's good just to wrap it up like this. Go for it, my brother. Okay. Um, yeah, I just want to add to what um, Ray said earlier on. So he's still working. And I was just thinking about that. And he talked about the sun and then the sunset. So like, um, I was just reminded about the plants. You know, during the day, the plants, they do uh, photosynthesis, right? That's the process where they um, take sunlight and then with... Um, converted to energy, um, the nutrients as well, uh, the sugar. But at night, the plants, they have another process that they do as well, that's the respiration. And now I was just thinking about that, like, okay, the sun is not there, photosynthesis happens during the day. But at night, that's where uh, if there's darkness, but he's working. He's not, okay, come, Tasha. My little girl just want to be part of the after party. Um, yeah. So at night now, there's another process happening. It's not just like the sunlight is gone and it's dead. No, the plants are not dead, but they're actually working. Yeah. That's where the respiration process started. And I just, um, maybe a quick, um, just taking you guys back to biology classes. Um, <laughs> a quick definition of that, the purpose, okay, the purpose of respiration in plants. Uh, respiration is essential for growth and maintenance of all plant tissues. And it plays an important role in the carbon uh, balance of individual cells, whole plants, the ecosystem, as well as the global uh, carbon cycle. So this is a very important part. This is a very important process that happens there. That's the, important, the, the process where the plants actually grow. So basically, if you look at the plants, um, they start small and they grow bigger and bigger. And for them to produce fruits, they have to grow. And that process of them to grow happens at night. That's the respiration process. And the, with the more they grow, it means they're going to have more leaves. And the more leaves they have, that means they're going to have more space, I mean, area to do photosynthesis. That means there's going to be more food generated, more nutrients. So uh, I was just thinking that relating to us now, I mean, when we are in that place, in the dark places, in that moment where you feel like nothing's happening, when you're surrounded by darkness, it's time for growth. It's not, it's not, it's not like a dead end, you know, when you reach at the Red Sea, but it's time for a miracle, to see God doing miracles in you. I mean, there's a, a lot of places in the Bible when, when, when um, we see people asking, where is your God? Where is your God? Where is your God? But actually, God is busy um, working. You know, um, with, with Joseph, when he was thrown into, into the jail, it seems as if it was dark. Uh, it was a place where nothing was happening. The sun is set on him. He was in darkness. But actually, God was working. He was in the process of growth from being a prisoner to the, to the, actual, um, to the actual governor. 
when he was also in the pit, when the brother throw his brothers uh, throw him there, it seems like there was a dead end. There's no darkness. There's no light. But it actually the beginning of the journey to becoming a darkness. It, I mean, to become a governor. So with us as well, like at this place, uh, at this moment in your life, you feel like there's no light. It's yeah. just darkness around you. Yeah. No, we are growing. God is busy making, um, building your muscles. God is busy building your faith. God is busy building your abilities. God is busy building your strategies. God is busy building your gaze so that when you come out there, you see great things. So it's not time to dismay or no, but actually it's a time for anticipation. It's not time for despair, but actually a time for opening your heart and opening your faith. Say, God, here I am. Let's do this. What is behind this darkness? Yes, it's sunset right now. That's how it feels. But, but sunrise is coming, and a greater thing is going to happen. It's taking you from here and to, 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 um, from, from one place to another place, from glory to glory. It's not darkness, guys. It's a growth time. Let's do respiration. That's good. No, he's going to add anything. Now, I thought about with related to that, it's, it's, you know, it's winter, but summer's coming. That sermon where the guy... He preaches, and it's, uh, I can't remember the guy said it was, but he said, it's Friday, but Sundays are coming. It's Friday, but Sundays are coming. Come on. That's what you're holding. That's a great word, Caleb. We grow in the darkness. Wow. These last 20 months, two years have definitely been that. Okay, folks, it's been fantastic. It's been amazing to be able to get together again. Why don't you unmute yourselves, uh, put your videos on, and we can see you, and we can all wave goodbye to each other. And kind of uh, say goodbye as we sign off here today. Bless you all. Warren, bless you, my brother. Bob and Pat, good to see you. Paddy, Kathleen, who's sitting right next to me. That's amazing. Okay, fantastic. Cheers, guys. Bless you all. Bless you, Bella, Denise, Vanessa, Cynthia, Sharon. Bless you guys. We will see you soon. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs>